0: To continue the second week of our series using the movie Polar Express as sort of a backdrop and theme. Last week we talked about the idea that ultimately, in the midst of all of our skepticisms or doubts, the invitation from Jesus is simply this: all aboard. It's a simple invitation to take a leap of faith into a journey of faith. And so we began our conversation there last week. I want to pick up this morning by talking about how many of you are uh, roller coaster people? Like, you love roller coasters, coaster Yeah, probably more than the first rides. I love roller coasters. How many of you do okay on the spinning, like spinning rides? Fewer of you, me too, I gotta like those, I but I love roller coasters, in fact, my favorite roller coaster <laughs> in world that I've been on wow. Wow. is one the one that you've seen the That's probably my second favorite roller coaster. This one is 310 feet up in the air. It has a 300-foot drop that's at 80 degrees. What that means is when you're at the top looking down, you can't see the tracks. Its top speed is at 93 miles per hour. 93. Imagine a bug hitting you in the face when you're going 93 (laughs) miles per hour. It has two... uh, Overbank turns, one at 122 degrees, another 112 degrees. It has two tunnels and two minutes and 20 seconds of pure thrill. Now, for a lot of people, they love roller coasters because they love that feeling of thrill and excitement and adventure and kind of that adrenaline rush that comes when you're afraid. In fact, I could probably fit almost everyone into two categories if we're going to go ahead and label people this morning. You are either motivated in life out of that sense of adventure, that sense of thrill, that sense of excitement, or you're the complete opposite and you're always trying to mitigate risks that are going on around you. And depending on which kind of person you are, it will affect your experience and what you see in every context you're in. Both people could walk into the exact same room, and they will immediately experience and they will see two totally different things. The person who walks into a room who loves adventure, who loves risk, who loves the thrill and excitement will immediately gravitate towards an opportunity that has an unsecured end, meaning, I don't know how this is going to end up, but I'm going to take it anyhow. They're the one that, if there's snacks in the room, they'll want to try the thing that looks The weirdest and that they've never had before. Ooh, I've never had one, and they want to try everything. Now, the complete opposite is the person who's trying to mitigate risks. They'll walk into the room, and immediately their eyes are scanning for the safest corner to retreat to, and the safest person to talk to, and the snack that is secure and safe. Oh, good, a slice of cheese and a trisket. And usually, sometimes, the person who lives a life mitigating risk trying to say stay safe all the time, wishes that they could be more of a risk taker and more adventurous. usually. But then again, when all of your friends die in a sky jumping accident, you're 100 years old in the nursing home, you can say, <laughs> who's laughing now? Yeah, oh, pudding, I love pudding. And it's interesting to me, like when you just kind of study human behavior, how this love of that thrill and excitement and adventure and just fear, like loving to be afraid or to have, be scared, manifests at such an early age. I mean, just think about like the little, Have you've seen the little baby, you've seen oh, maybe this one where it, it startled and it's scared, and then immediately starts giggling, and wants to do it over and over and over again. Just that, that, that startled complex, that you know, that sensation, and then the giggle that comes afterwards, and just do it again. Or even what about this, like the jack in the box? Like you remember that? Right? What kind of toy from hell is this? Like, like, like I can't wait to be scared. Like it's gonna pop out at me. Or like I've experienced this. Like any time I've gone to a church camp, and when I was in Boy Scouts, Boy Scout camp, when we're all sitting around the fire, do you know what stories all the kids always want to hear? Scary stories. Ghost stories. Like, they want to hear about the kid who was at this exact same camp that 20 years ago was murdered. Like, that's what they want to hear about. Like, really? Like, nothing uplifting? No, we just want to be, we want to be scared. And how, how many of us will actually spend money, we'll pay big bucks on a movie ticket and even bigger on the soda and popcorn to sit for maybe two hours to be scared out of our minds at any moment? How many of you have been to the Niles Haunted House? You want been be the now, yeah, quite a few of you have been like, more than the first service. Now, right? Why would you do that to yourself? Like, let's pay big money to have a clown with a chainsaw chase me around because that's a blast. Like, that's what's going on. Or even the extreme behaviors that we see all around us from bungee jumping, skydiving, the extreme sports, investing in the stock market, eating at Taco Bell can be a thrill and adventure. And why? Why do, why do people do this? There's a thrill that comes with fear. And listen... We know from a biological standpoint why this happens. Like There's this hormonal reaction that we humans get from responding to a threat or a crisis that motivates us like being scared. In fact, our entire species has survived because of it. That's how we survived the saber-toothed tigers. This is the same fight or flight syndrome that guarantees our survival. It's referred to as an adrenaline rush. Like in the moment, your body actually produces adrenaline that's coursing through your veins, and in the surge of fear and excitement, what's happening is you actually have a temporary increase in strength and power and heightened sense and intuition, like your Spider-Man for just a few seconds. There's literally an increase in mental and physical capacity, <laughs> and it only took the church 2,000 years to remove any sense of adventure and thrill, and excitement, and fear out of the Christian life. I mean, we so quickly domesticated Christianity to be anything but the wild, thrill-packed, adrenaline-rushing, extreme, God-impacting world revolution that Jesus intended it to be. And I couldn't be any more serious. I can't help but imagine that most of us have no idea what it means to live out the picture of faith as an adventure full of thrill, excitement, adventure, and fear. In fact, if I were just to, when we talk about Christian faith, how many of you, what immediately comes to your mind, we think of like, you know, being a disciple of Jesus, how many of you have words like thrill and adventure and excitement and adrenaline rush come to mind? Now, I'm not saying that isn't the case for everyone, but if we were honest, I would say that, we rarely would ever use those words to describe our relationship with God or our walk with Christ or our experience of faith. Because we're too often spending most of our time, in at least in our spiritual lives, mitigating risk. And so all of our prayers are: Dear God, protect me, bless me, heal me, surround me with a safe bubble of protection. We might not say those words that in the end keeps me from having a toxic marriage or children who are misbehaved or let me have enough money to pay my bills and give me a comfortable standard of living and a boss and coworkers who are nice to me in Jesus' name, amen. Those typically seem to be the level of our prayers. When was the last time you prayed, God, send me out on an adventure full of danger and excitement and risk in Jesus' name, Amen. My guess is, huh, I've never prayed that one. Because especially in church world, talk about mitigating risk. In some churches, like, if you change anything, and I mean anything, you're taking your own life into your hands. And could you imagine if the Bible was written actually narrating our spiritual lives? Like, just forget about what we read in the Scriptures in terms of the lives of the first followers of Jesus. Like, what if just a Bible was uh, produced in 2016 that narrated our lives and how it would read? And by the power of the Holy Spirit, it was the third day of the week and Sam had yet to say a cuss word. Sam finished day 318 of his Bible reading plan from YouVersion.com. And then Sam, irritated by his neighbor's barking dog, instead of getting angry, prayed, Lord, bless my neighbor's little heart. You'd read that and you'd be like, I roll. Like, like oh. Imagine the typical narration of our spiritual life. And then on Sunday, we woke up earlier than we wanted to, but we took a shower, got dressed, and walked into a building, sat in a pew, sang a few hymns, listened to a sermon, greeted the people that we see every week in the same place, and went home for lunch. And after saying a prayer, asking Jesus into his heart, Bob was actually a little nicer to everyone at work. Like, you you wouldn't read that and go, whoa. Yet when you read the spiritual lives found in the Scriptures... People are like raised from the dead. Demons are taking off. Blind people can see. People are actually walking on water. Goliath is being slain. They're experiencing burning bush moments. They're establishing churches in new territories and new cultures. I mean, what if we took a turn somewhere in our experience and made our religion more about risk mitigation than we did about adventure? I mean, even how we talk about salvation feels more like fire insurance, like, I don't want to die and go to hell, then no, because of Jesus, I'm storming the gates of hell. One is risk mitigation. The other is an adventure in the kingdom of God. What adventure might exist if instead of going for fire insurance as our means of salvation, we actually went to, we're going to do something crazy for Jesus, If Jesus was a revolutionary whose dream was to turn the world upside down and return it reconciled back to God, what an adventure. And it just seems wrong to call ourselves disciples of Jesus and live out such a safe and domesticated faith. I think our faith in Jesus should feel probably more like that journey of the clip that we saw from Polar Express on their journey to the North Pole. We're going to go through twists and turns and hills and wildlife. There might be caribou on the track. The risk of getting tossed out, countering a hobo from on top, and going off the tracks on a frozen body of water, narrowly escaping disaster as we enter into a tunnel. Now, I'm not saying every day has to be one big Jesus-filled adrenaline rush, but when was the last time you would even use the phrase adrenaline rush to describe your journey with Jesus? I'm just suggesting the possibility that you might want to consider leaving the safe... Confines of what you're used to and jump on a journey of faith that challenges you to the core. That this week you might want to step out and rather than playing it safe, have the reconciling conversation with your coworker that you know has been brewing for years. Or step out and risk calling that family member that you got that big fight a couple years ago and before Christmas actually calling and seeing if as much as it depends on you, you can bring about peace. What if it means stepping out and doing something that truly does scare you? Like maybe volunteering in an area of help around us. I'm not even going to the church. I mean just like somewhere even in our community that you typically don't do because that makes you nervous inside. Reaching out to the person that is most likely not going to be reached out to by anyone. Your faith wasn't intended to be domesticated as if... Your highest goal in the Christian life is to be nice or maybe drink less and stop cussing. That's not an adventure. There's no risk and thrill in that. And it strikes me, I was actually, in preparing for this, discovered, I never heard of them before. It's called the Free Burma Rangers and the Free Kurdistan Rangers. They're actually a Christian organization that goes in the midst of the front lines of war and battle. And uh, they put on children's program, they help the wounded, and they uh, do clinics clinics in terms of medical care, and they deliver food and supplies to people who are hungry. And so it just strikes me like, oh, I don't know, for example, if you ever wanted to take a leap of faith and and risk into an adventure while we're sitting here drinking our hot chocolate and enjoying the lights and the warmth, there are actually people right now in the name of Jesus who are taking huge risks in the name of Jesus. Take a look at this video of the Burma free Burma rangers. So we're moving in here. There's an ISIS sniper just shooting at us. Good morning. What's going on? Well, a little bit of exercise here on the roof and sound of drones as I look up and do my push-ups, or I mean look up and do my sit-ups. And uh, this nice house here in Sharaat, right side of Mosul. It looks like ISIS just dropped a mortar. I don't know, maybe 400 meters away or so. Is this is not this the fast that I choose? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? and bring the homeless poor into your house? There is no good enough that's short of what you can do and ought. The flaw that may temporarily escape the eye and temporarily gets by, shall weaken under the strain and wreck the car, ship, or train. For this is true for all men and stuff, only the best is good enough. civilian who was shot by a sniper and brought in, he was shot about 20 minutes ago. Uh, it was a through-through wound, and uh, looks like a, it also fractured a bone. Yeah, he is. 28 November 2016, here's food delivery for these families in the area of Mosul. And we thank God for those people who deliver this food. And we're sending it to them by this and also by truck. We are in Mosul, in the outskirts of Mosul, and we are going to do a kids program for the kids around this area. that's not we came here because we hear about your problem and we want to tell you we love you Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> everybody go, everybody. Yes! <laughs> no. <laughs> now, could you imagine that? In terms of, like, just talk about an adventure of risk. I mean, how many adrenaline rush would not take place if we're following the Iraqi army in Mosul? Like, those are the things that. And if anything has been domesticated, I gotta tell you, it's our story that we tell this time of year. The story of God's entrance into the world, and you can see its domestication on things like our Christmas greeting cards that usually have on it pictures of little animals frolicking in the snow and cute little baby Jesus embossed in gold with a little halo and Mary and Joseph smiling ever so calmly over their infant child, distinguished wise men, sanitized animals, etc. I mean, this picture here, I'm sure there's a little cute lamb nearby and an angel that shows up with a candy cane for baby Jesus because that's not a choking hazard of any sort. What I was just as the real story is there anything but what you see on the Hallmark special and the, greeting, the Christmas greeting card. In fact, did you know almost every event that surrounds the birth of Jesus, the very first word, like what has to be spoken first almost around every turn of Jesus' birth. For example, when Jesus' uncle Zachariah finds out that he's going to have a son, John the Baptist who will be the forerunner of Jesus, the Messiah. An angel shows up and the very first words out of the angel's mouth is, fear not. Or some of your translations will say, do not be afraid. Or when Gabriel is sent to the town of Nazareth to speak to a teenage girl about the reality that she's going to be a pregnant virgin. You know what the angel has to say? Fear not. Or when Joseph finds out that his fiance is pregnant and he is 100% sure he is not the father. And he's got to decide whether, as the law prescribes, he's going to stone her to death or whether he will exercise his option to kind of quietly divorce her, an angel of the Lord has to show up, and the angel's first words are, Fear not. Or when a bunch of shepherds who are just minding their own business, tending the flock, all of a sudden the curtain of heaven opens up and there's an angelic choir singing in the middle of the night and causes them all sorts of adrenaline rushes. Do you know what the first thing the angel choir director has to say to those little shepherds? Fear not. This is why is because, man, when God shows up, it's going to top any thrill or adventure or experience or extreme sport or a horror movie or a roller coaster ride. When God shows up, excitement is sure to follow. When God shows up, I mean, really shows up, everyone is about to experience a little adrenaline coursing through their veins. When God showed up at Mount Sinai and the people saw it, they begged Moses, you've got to go for us. Do not even let us see the face of God. Or the writer of Hebrews reminds us in Hebrews 10.31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You want to talk about inciting adrenaline. Or Annie Dillard wrote recently, does anyone have the foggiest idea of what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or, as I suspect, does no one really believe a word of it? The churches are like children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. It is madness to wear lady straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue us life preservers and signal flares, and they should lash us to the pews. Most don't get on to the Polar Express. <laughs> it feels like... Infa- no, we got onto to the, that train ride at the zoo. Anyone ever done the train ride at the zoo here? And Let me just say something, I love the, Pottawat- I love the Pottawatomie Zoo, but that train ride <laughs> it costs a little bit of money. It's too short. I don't get to see all the animals. It's, it's not what I call a thrill ride, if that makes sense, and for most of us, that's what our faith journey looks like far more than the Polar Express. Now, I'm convinced that's not the journey God intended, His journey is more like that adventure on the Polar Express where the main character, the kid, is on a journey of faith and he is a journey to a place of delete, to belief and it's a perilous journey and it's anything but safe. In fact, there are moments where it's quite dangerous, where it's thrilling, where it will require courage, which by the way, just as a reminder, is not the absence of fear. You cannot feel courage if you have no fear. Fear is moving forward in the presence of fear where the ultimate outcome is not clear. This is what you see over and over again in the Bible. You know how many times the Bible has the phrase, fear not or do not be afraid? It's 365 times because the journey of faith should provide with it a great opportunity to be afraid. Could you imagine if walking into church, you were greeted not with a bulletin or a coffee, but with a sincere warning, do not be afraid. (laughs) Sam's sermon that bad? No, no, I mean, God might show up. And I know sometimes we have a tendency to resist those things that scare us. And trust me when I say I get it. And it's always been that way. Like when you just go back in history, you could just see anytime anyone's reached new heights, there's been controversy in it or reached new speeds. There's been challenge to it or new frontiers or even new ways of doing things. Critics come out of the woodwork. You always have someone who's trying to stop what feels frightening, (laughs) even when it comes to trains. There's a letter that was sent to, at the time, President Andrew Jackson from the, at the time, New York State Governor, Martin Van Buren. He dated it on January 31st, 1829. Now, Martin Van Buren would later become the eighth president of the United States, but at the time, he's governor of New York, and he's writing a letter to Andrew Jackson about railroads. It says this, Dear President Jackson, The canal system of this country is being threatened by the spread of a new form of transportation known as railroads. The federal government must preserve the canals for the following reasons. One, if canal boats are supplanted by railroads, serious unemployment will result. Captains, cooks, drivers, hustlers, repairmen, and lock tenders will be left without means of livelihood, not to mention the numerous farmers now employed in growing hay for the horses. Two, boat builders would suffer and tow-line whip-and-harness makers would be left destitute. And three, canal boats are absolutely essential to the defense of the United States. In the event of the expected trouble with England, the Erie Canal would be the only means by which we could ever move the supplies so vital to waging modern war. And, as you may well know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles per hour by engines which in addition to endangering life and limb of passengers roar and snort their way through the countryside setting fire to crops scaring the livestock and frightening women and children the almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speeds (laughs) sincerely martin van buren governor of new york there's been a long string of domesticating those aspects of God that most frighten us, or that we feel uncontrolled, but that isn't true to our story, and it isn't even true to Christmas. The original story contains three wise men who end up duping a king and becoming fugitives themselves or manipulation by a paranoid king. There's stories of mass murder, angelic visits by night with instructions, you got to leave town now and head off to Egypt. A return after being in hiding for so long, the death of a king, fear of family succession, having to establish a new home and lay low, all the while contending with promises of messianic hope and expectation, and crazy old people in the temple prophesying that your son's going to save the world, but at the same time a sword will pierce your own heart. And if you think that's crazy, you should read the birth narrative of Jesus in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, where war breaks out in heaven. You don't find that on a greeting card. Don't be surprised if the next words out of the conductor's mouth, after all aboard, that calls you to a leap of faith, will be, oh, welcome aboard, now brace yourself. This seems to me to be more in line with the Christian faith. Thank you for taking this leap of faith now brace yourself. It's sort of like being on an airplane, right? Like when there's turbulence, and you're kind of shaking all around. What I do is I just look at the flight attendants. Like, if their face looks okay, then I'm okay. I can't look to my wife because she's on drugs at this point and passed out because she's afraid of flying. But if that flight attendant is still smiling and doing her thing, then I'm good. If they look like they're scared, then I know I'm in trouble. And the last thing I want to hear from the pilot over the loudspeaker is brace yourself and prepare for impact. But I think... That might be more accurate to the journey of faith. Brace yourself and prepare for impact. I think this is supposed to be a life-changing, earth-transforming adventure. And this is the point of the story of Christmas. And I just want to remind you what the Apostle Paul told us, or at least told Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, where he says, The Spirit of God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, and of love, and of self-discipline. The Spirit of God that lives inside of you does not give you a spirit of fear, but rather one of power and love and self-discipline. He didn't call us to timidity or to risk management, to hedging our bets and trying to stay safe, but rather, oh no, there's adventure and danger all along this journey. Conflict with things that are opposed to your faith. Conflict even from within as God goes about his work of pruning the things in our life that need to be extracted. Conflict with life experiences that we need to reconcile with. How do I take this life experience and reconcile it with my belief in Jesus? And and I'm not saying it will be every day. You can't live your life on a roller coaster. And you won't survive long if your life is always skidding out of control on the ice headed into a mountain. But I would just ask you, When was the last risk you took for the kingdom of God? What was the last risk that you took for the kingdom of God? What was the last great adventure you were on? What was the last thing you did for Jesus that scared you, that you knew, if God doesn't show up, we're all in trouble? What got your adrenaline going? That's what followers after Jesus should look like. I don't want my three kids and I don't want your kids to think that the highest aim of the Christian life is to have a daily quiet time that leads them to not cussing, drinking, smoking, and being nice. That doesn't compare at all to Jesus' call. The disciples climb on board because Jesus is offering them something bigger than each one of them, a chance to participate in God's revolution here on earth and just By way of reminder, each one of them will give their very lives, literally, to that calling. And so last week, if the invitation was all aboard, this morning's admonition would be, brace yourself. Because if you're following after Jesus, it will be for you, or should be for you, an adventure. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's pray. God, I ask right now that uh, that part of our personality that hates to be afraid or longs to protect ourselves and to remain in safe environments and Lord, even if there's just things that come to mind right now that we know I think I'm supposed to do this and it's scaring us to death I pray that your spirit might speak to that place in our personality or in our heart or in our mind to give us courage and so even in the face of fear I pray that we would step out and do what you've called us to do for your own glory's sake that we might get to participate by the power of your spirit in a revolution here on earth that transforms it and cooperates with your son to reconcile it back to you. And so we place ourselves in your hands and say, would you use us in great and dangerous and adventurous ways? We ask in Jesus' name, amen.